Welcome, brothers and sisters, all praises to the Most High. On the first day conversation, we're going to be focusing on is the law bondage? Is the law that God gave from the beginning bondage? According to the scriptures. Now, these doctrines that come up from Sunday ministers, or which is Catholicism basically, focus on teaching their people that if you keep the law, you are going to return into bondage. So they say that those that keep the Sabbath, the holy days, were in bondage. So let us begin. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. This is one of the verses they will go to. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 says, And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Now, I want to stop right there. The liberty, brothers and sisters, some people, believe it or not, can't tell the difference between two simple words. Liberty is the same as free. Liberty means the same as freedom or to be free. So if we have freedom in Christ, how do we have freedom in Christ? Let's go back to Romans 8, verse 2. I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to get right into it. I'm not going to go around, beat around the bush. I'll start in verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So Paul is going to tell you how they that are not under the condemnation. And when I say condemnation, brethren and sisters, who committed? They'll never tell you that, but I'm going to tell you. Going back to John, John chapter 8, very quickly, John chapter 8, and I'm going to read starting in verse 4 and 5. I'm going to, starting in verse 4, I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. It says, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. Or yet yeah, she was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law, Moses in the law commanded us that such a one should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now we all know the story about our Lord and Savior stooping to the ground because, you know, Christ 
according to John 1.17, he wasn't against the law of Moses, but that is not or was not his ministry. He brought mercy and truth, mercy and truth. So I want to drop down to verse 9, John 8 and 9. I'll start in verse 7, excuse me. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without transgressing the law, which is sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So Christ says, He that is not right at this time, not back. He's talking about now. He that is transgressing the law that has sin among you, let him cast the first stone of it. Verse 8, and he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, this woman was called an adulterer. She was supposed to die. Let's read on. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, check this out. Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? The power of condemnation was in the hands of man. Under the law of Moses, you were to be stoned if you transgressed the Ten Commandments. Adultery is one of the Ten Commandments. So we have to get this understanding that condemnation came by man. It was given in the law even back in Deuteronomy 17, verse 5 and other places in the scripture where God commanded that anyone that sinned against the Ten Commandments would be killed, which is the same thing as condemned. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and read verse 1 again. There is now no condemnation by the hands of man to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. Now, who were they that walked after the flesh? John chapter 3. Just real quick, you got to see this. John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Let's skip on down in verse uh, chapter 3. Christ tells him in verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Paul's going to explain this in the book of Galatians chapter 4. What does it mean that which is born of flesh? First of all, we got to start in verse 24, Galatians 4, verse 24. Which things are an allegory? 
for these are the two covenants. Wait, two covenants, not one, but two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth bondage, which is Hagar, which is Agar. For verse 25, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now, notice he said it was two covenants. I'm not going to read it all, but he said it was two covenants. I want to go back to the book of again. Uh, uh, go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Because brothers and sisters, the pastors are not going to go in depth about these two covenants. Because they know one is bondage and one is freedom. Let's go to Exodus 34. Verse 28, it says, And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments were a covenant. These two covenants Paul is talking about existed in the Old Testament. Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 25. Numbers 25. And I'm going to read verse 12. Just starting in verse 12, real quick in this short podcast episode. It says, Wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace and he shall have it. This is verse 13 and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood. Because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. So the 10 commandments were a covenant and the priesthood was a covenant. The priesthood. As Paul said in Galatians 4, verses 24 to 26, he was explaining the two covenants was an allegory. One was of freedom, the other was of bondage. Let's go back to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And I should mention also as a side note, the covenant of the priesthood dealt with the flesh. Sacrifice. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee as well. And he says, and I know I keep moving along from Romans, 
but I want to get this clear, brothers and sisters. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, we're going to read verse 3 down. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Watch what Paul says. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, just like Nicodemus was. They dealt with the flesh or the covenant of flesh, which was sacrifice and the works of the law in the temple. That's different from the Ten Commandments. See, again and again, these preachers won't tell you that breaking the Ten Commandments, God set up the Levitical priesthood to execute judgment on those who broke those Ten Commandments, which had sub-laws. But by keeping the Ten, there would be no word at all of even happening, happening, happening to worry about, excuse me, those sublaws, like men lying with men, women lying with women. You know, the law of condemnation that was found in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 and Leviticus chapter 18. I don't have time in this podcast episode to go back there, but I, I, all you have to do is go back and read Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, and you will see that the condemnation came upon them by the hands of man if they sinned the sins of the nations that were before them. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The free, which is liberty, is the same liberty Paul is talking about in Galatians 2, verse 4. But the freedom was through the law. I'm going to read it again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law unto Christ was not as the law of sin and death or condemnation which was executed by the Levitical priesthood. And Paul being a former Pharisee, as we just read in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul was freed from the condemnation that was given unto the Pharisee to execute on those that broke the Ten Commandments. He's free from that. Now, he's going to explain. For what the law, this is verse 3, could not do 
and that it was weak through the flesh. He's talking about the flesh again. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, the lamb, the goat, the bullock that could be put on the altar, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. So Christ condemned sin through that flesh, that old covenant. Why did he do that? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after sacrifice, the flesh, or walk not as a Pharisee, but after the spirit, which is the word or the law. Because Romans 7, 14 says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Carnal, Paul was one that committed the carnal ordinances. It is explained in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 9. He was carnal because this is what Paul's works used to be. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation, until the time of change. That is why Galatians, when you read Galatians chapter C, these preachers think they know Galatians, but they don't. When you read Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 25, it says, But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So, the schoolmaster was the carnal ordinance. But now faith has came because remember, the Pharisee, see brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you this. If you're not starting from the beginning of the Bible, you're losing out. If you don't know the history, Paul's letters can be manipulated. by these preachers to trick the souls of people who really want to know what God is trying to tell us. The fabrication of scripture, the trickery, has been done ever since the time of slavery, where our Israelite brothers transformed themselves into the oppressors, Instead of Proverbs 3.31, envy not the oppressor and choose none of his ways, these men have chosen to be exactly like the oppressing force that oppressed their forefathers in the past. And the teachings that they follow is evidence. Now, according to them, the law was bondage, but according to Romans 8, the law was freedom. 
Christ said in John 8 32 I'm going to show you the trick of these Pharisees it is a doctrine of devils and of death Christ said in John 8 32 and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free there is not one Sunday minister that could give you a scripture about truth and what it is but the Israelites yes we yes we can and I've told you what the truth was many times. And I don't have time to just go into all of them, but Psalms 119, verse 142, Psalms 119, verse 151. Read it, brothers and sisters. Romans 2 and 20. The truth is in the law. Malachi 2 and 6. So Christ, when he says, Ye shall know the truth, he's saying, he's saying to you, what's in the law is where you find the truth. You can't skip over the law and think you're going to understand truth. You're going to understand a truth, but not the truth. John 8.34 says this. John 8.34 says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. Not a servant of Christ, but a servant of sin. In other words, First John 3 and 8 confirms what Christ spoke of. This is what people don't understand. They give too much into the hands of the pastor instead of time into reading the text. First John 3 and 8 says this. Christ says he that committed sin, right? In John 8, 34. Watch this. First John 3 and 8 says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So when you're a servant of transgressing the law, you're a servant of the devil. Kind of different than what the Sunday pastors say about those that keep the law. The Bible says that if you commit sin if you transgress the law including the sabbath the sabbath is part of the ten commandments if you break god's holy day you are of the devil now is this made up the bible says in psalms 119 because they the the law just wasn't freedom then now, I went to the New Testament, but I'm going to show you that the law has been freedom ever since the time David wrote it, and even in the time of Adam. I'm going to read this one. I'm, I'm not going to be able to go into it deeply like I want, because this is a short podcast episode, but I'm going to point this out. Psalms 119, verse 45. Lick your chops at these ministers on this. Psalms 119 verse 45 says this, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Liberty, David wrote through the Holy Ghost, I will walk at freedom, being free, for I seek thy law. That's why James, James, See, it's what the pastor doesn't read. 
They have Sunday after Sunday to keep the book closed. They'll open it up and read one chapter and one verse or two chapters or from a two chapters and three verses, but not explain to you what the Bible is saying. James chapter one, verse 25. Let's see if James isn't in agreement with David. James chapter 1, verse 25. But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty, freedom. Paul called it liberty in Romans 8, verse 2. Now James is calling it liberty. But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed james chapter 2 verse 12 so speak ye and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty four times four times james 2 and 12 james 1 25 Romans 8, verse 2, Psalms 119, verse 45, the law was called liberty. Now, the Bible doesn't contradict what it was written. The company that wrote them, according to Psalm 68, verse 11, were righteous men who had the Holy Ghost in them, as it says in 2 Peter 1, 21. So the Holy Ghost cannot be blasphemed but by those that keep the worships of those that transgress the law. There's only two ways to look at this. Two ways. When they call the law of Moses bondage, what they have to do is they have to go back and give the scriptures of what the law of Moses was. What do they mean, the law? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Not, excuse me, Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you could not be saved. That's a lie. The Bible doesn't teach circumcision in the law of Moses saving, but the Bible does teach the Ten Commandments saving. Now, all we have is the Old Testament to go by here. If there is a scripture in the Old Testament that says you are saved by the law, Guess what? Sunday ministers are going to want to do away with that verse or those verses. Check this out. Now, where did where did they get this from? Where did the Pharisee get this idea? Did they just come up with it? 
like these Sunday ministers do in the Sunday church, come up with things or was there actually a truth in the Bible, not by the mouth of the Pharisee, but in the Bible that says the law saves? Yes, it was. David wrote about it. I'm going to show you. I'm going to even go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 18. Check this out. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. The Bible says, he that walketh uprightly shall be saved. What does it mean to walk uprightly? Psalms 119. So we got to read the Bible. What does it mean to walk uprightly? It says this in Psalms 119 verse 7. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. So to be in uprightness or walketh uprightly is going to be according to the law. And Proverbs 28 verse 18 says, whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. Stay tuned, brothers and sisters. I'll return after the short break. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Now, I don't want you to get confused here, brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm going to slow it up. Am I saying that the law of Moses saves you? No. Because as I said before, and I'll say it again, these ministers have failed to teach the people the truth about the law itself. Now, to define the law of Moses. Now, it's a difference. Because Paul does not distinct the difference of the law, because it's all law, whether it be the Ten Commandments or the covenant of circumcision and sacrifice. It's all law. It's all together. But the difference is, is that the Ten Commandments, if kept, bring salvation not circumcision and sacrifice. Now, these preachers are quick to say you are not, the law of Moses cannot save you. Notice they keep saying the law of Moses. Not the law itself. Because when we go back, watch this. This is before Moses came about. 
Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 9. I'm not going to go deep into this, but I'm just going to show you something. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, I'm going to read straight down. The key is in verse 12. These, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And we know first, uh, second John 2, first, second John. I'm going to give you a New Testament scripture. Second John. I can give you many, but I want to give you the New Testament. What John says in second John, verse 6. And this is love that we walk, walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that ye have heard from the beginning in the time of Noah that ye should walk in it. So when you walk with God, you're keeping the commandments as Noah did. Verse 10, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was also, the, the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12 is the key. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. What is the way of God? What is God's way? See, this will show you that the law was on earth before Moses. What is God's way? Let's get two scriptures psalms 25 verse 9 psalms 25 verse 9 and then we're going to go to another chapter and verse psalms 25 verse 9 says this the meek will guide in judgment the meek will he guide in judgment excuse me and the meek will he teach his way. So God's way is judgment. That's the way of the Lord. That's not an ISO Jesus. That is what the scripture says. The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek shall teach his way. So his way is the law. First Kings 8. First Kings 8. I'm going to show you something. It says that he may incline, 1 Kings 8, verse 58, that he may incline our ears unto him and walk in all the ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our father. God's way or ways are the law. Psalms 119. My favorite chapter in the Bible. And I'm going to keep going here until the preachers acknowledge Psalms 119. Psalms 119 verse 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Let's go back up to Psalms 119 verse 32. 
It says, for I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Second Peter. Second Peter. Two, real quick. Verse 21 says, Second Peter 2.21, New Testament. For it had been better for them not to have known the way, way of righteousness, that after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So when we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, we understand that the way of God was the law. There's no other way. Noah kept the way of the Lord. So when we get to Genesis chapter 7 verse 1 it says and the lord said unto noah come thou and all thy house into the ark for thee i have seen the righteous before me in this generation what did peter say in second peter 2 watch this watch Second Peter 2, very quickly. As we, we pay attention, brothers and sisters. Second Peter 2, verse 5, this is why it says this. And spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, which is in the law, which is in faith, because Noah had faith as well. When you read, it, it shows you Noah had faith as well. When you read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 7. But the Bible says in 2 Peter 2 and 5 that Noah was saved, bringing, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. What? ungodly jew what who what does it mean to be ungodly what does it mean to be ungodly jude chapter 1 verse 15 says to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him so the ungodly were sinners transgressors of the law what this is saying brothers and sisters noah was saved by keeping the law that's the biggest secret that the sunday church tries to hide The biggest secret they try to hide. That's why if you don't think that the Bible agrees, Psalms 119, again, till these preachers acknowledge it, because they've been running. Psalms 119, verse 166 says, the Lord, or it says, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done 
thy commandments. The commandments were the salvation. Psalms 119, verse 174. For I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord. Thy law is my delight. Why does the law appear with salvation? Like it did in the time of Noah. That's why in Matthew 19, and I don't know how preachers get this by the people. Matthew 19, verse 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Verse 17, And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, and he said unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt not do murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. These, verse 19, honor thy father and thy mother, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. These are of the Ten Commandments. But what was the law of Moses of? Because I, I tell you, brothers and sisters, the Ten Commandments preceded Moses. They preceded Moses. What the Sunday pastor wants you to believe is that God gave them to Moses in Exodus 20. So they are considered his laws. No, they preceded Moses. They were given since the time of Adam and Eve. So the law of Moses is a little bit different from those Ten Commandments. The Pharisee knew the verses in the Bible, masters of the law. They knew that the law of Moses was not the law which saves you. But the law of Moses consisted of what we're about to read. When we go back to the book of Ezra, Ezra. Book of Ezra, chapter 3, again, verse 2. And I've read this before. I'm going to read it again. Then stood up Jeshuron, the son, or, or Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded an altar of God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So the law of Moses is dealing with sacrifice. You'll find this, and brothers and sisters, you can write these down. If you don't get them all, pause them. The law of Moses and sacrifice are together so many times in the Bible. I'm going to give you a few. First Chronicles 6, 
verse 49. First Chronicles 6, verse 49 tells us that the law of Moses is sacrifice. Second Chronicles 23, verse 18 says that the law is sacrifice. Matthew chapter 8, verse 4 shows us that the law is of sacrifice. The law of Moses, it is of sacrifice, which deals with the priesthood, which deals with the temple and the altar, which law had no mercy. He, Hebrews 10 verse 28, the law of condemnation, that law cannot save. That law is of bondage. But the keeping of the Ten Commandments freed you from sin. They know that it frees you from transgressing God's law. It's the freedom that's in Christ. That's why John 1.17 again says, Moses bought the law, but Christ brought grace, which is mercy, and truth, which is in the law. Christ didn't come without law. When you, when you read John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 49 says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say, and what I should speak. Christ comes not to speak his own words. He spoke the words of the Father. He spoke the words of the prophets. This is why the preachers tried to skip over Christ, preach a Christ, and go straight to Paul. The saving is in the Ten Commandments. That's how you get eternal life. John chapter 12, verse 50. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak therefore, even as the Father said unto me, I do speak. Because the commandments are life everlasting. You keep these, you get eternal life. That's why 1 John 5 and 3 says this. One of my favorite verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not bondage. But Moses and the Levitical priesthood was bondage and it was also called law according to Hebrews 10 verse 8. Brothers and sisters of the Most High, I'd like to thank God for being able to present this to you. Hopefully our families and friends adjust from the scriptures that the evil one has fabricated 
and his angels, which are messengers, which are pushing it out to the people Sunday after Sunday. Let us hope our people can be freed. Our brothers and sisters can be freed from that and come and learn step by step, precept by precept, word by word, the truth of the love and the word of God. All praises to the most high brothers and sisters. I am your host, the Apostle Reuben. Let us keep the saving commandment that we may behold the face of Christ. This is IUPR with your host, the Apostle Ruben. Be sure next week, brothers and sisters, to join us in another podcast episode where we bring the salvation of our people, the 12 tribes to life. Thank you.